Welcome to the Autoholic Podcast number one. In this episode, we're going to talk about our experience renting a 1994 Dodge Viper. My best friend Stephen and I went to the Concours d'Elegance in Pebble Beach for the first time and decided renting a car like this off Turo would make the experience just a bit more interesting. Turned out to be true, so stick around and we'll tell you some more about it. So we rented a 1994 Dodge Viper RT10 in San Francisco, California and drove it down to Monterey for the Concorde d'Elegance. We had some uh, heat on the way down and uh, some troubles, but uh, I'm sitting here with Steven. Steven, what would you think of the Viper? It was an exciting car to drive. Um, pretty wild and different. I haven't driven anything really with this large of an engine. Uh, it's got an 8 liter V10 with uh, had some joint development by Lamborghini. And uh, it feels a little bit like a truck on steroids. You know, if you took a truck, cut all out the, uh, the weight, shorten the wheelbase, uh, and stuck a V10 in it. Uh, the suspension was rough. The gear throws were long and heavy as hell. Um, but it was, the acceleration was really incredible and very enticing. So your comment made me think about one of the cars we saw at the show, which was the Mercedes Streamliner. And we talked to the guys from the Mercedes Classic Department about the car. And they explained to us that it was exactly the same car as the SSK, you know, the... Um, the, the Grand Tour or the 540k excuse me the Grand Tour and uh, it just had all the coachwork removed and a, a sort of a racy body put on now in a way do you feel like the Viper is like they took a truck with a V10 stripped all the bodywork back and, and put this fiberglass on it I wouldn't go as far as to say make it that simple um, I mean unlike a truck you know, you're sitting pretty far forward the engine's right in front of you. In the Viper, you have miles ahead of you. You're so far away from the front wheels uh, that it, you know, it's very different feel. It's almost like you, know, you put a, you're driving a pickup truck in reverse. You have the truck bed ahead of you. Right. And the engine's also ahead of you. Um, so it, it's very different, but essentially it's, it's just very rough feeling. There's no elegance or luxury to it. It's really just a chassis, a V10, and some basic parts. And they said, here's a car. Go have fun. I agree with you. It is really rough, but at the same time, I thought that it was um, more solid feeling than I expected. Yeah. You know, it drove down the road at 80 miles per hour, and it wasn't so nervous, right? It, it, it was pretty good. You did feel um, just sort of how kind of roughly thrown together it was over some bumps or undulations that you know the frame would creak and yes yeah. whatnot and um, but overall maybe in my mind it was a more cohesive package than I would have expected um, you know it makes me wonder what a Shelby Cobra feels like because I'm thinking this is the modern sort of Shelby Cobra and uh, you know it, it, it was more as crazy as it was and as rough as it was, I would say it was more drivable than I expected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, driving it around, the steering is incredibly heavy. It's pretty light. And 
pretty direct, uh, more so under power uh, than when you're off the power. Uh, the pedals are small, and you, your feet are kind of pushed over to the left. The pedal box is very small. Somehow, I got pretty used to the pedals. Now. Yeah, I got used to it too. I mean, when you first step in after a while, you put your foot down, and you think, oh, that's the gas. Oh, wait, no, it's the brake or something. And then you just have to take a look and realign yourself and your feet and say, okay, yeah, that's that's where the clutch is. It's way over there to the left. Right, the clutch pedal is literally like resting against the door, essentially. Yeah. it's. It, I've never seen anything like that before. There's nothing to the left of the clutch. And so, like Stephen said, when you get in the car, your left foot is on the brake, you know, instead of being on the clutch, like where you would think the clutch would be, and your right foot is like, you know, you can't find the gas. But driving around, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's, a, it's a lot easier and it's more stable than I think we thought it would be. Uh, it's definitely not a car for, you know, the, the small mountain roads of California. No. It was very happy on, you know, like Highway 1 uh, and the more open, kind of curvy roads. Uh, there it really felt at home. Right. Actually, to tell you the truth, in terms of that type of road, I would say this is probably the best car I've ever driven for getting a sense of enjoyment out of a road like that. So it wasn't about pushing the corner to the limit. Right but rather, you know, just getting to feel the weight transfer and getting to roll onto the power and feel that big V10, you know, kind of pull you out, whether you were in fourth gear or third or, you know, uh, just always had power. Yeah, the torque was really incredible. You know, you could be, the gears are so tall that you could be in first gear and be going like 70, 80 miles per hour almost. I think first went up to about 50. Okay. And second was, <laughs> second was a solid 80. Um, third, I don't even know. We didn't touch the top of third, but it was... I don't think third was quite as long as first and second. No, and, and whenever you are in third, I don't think we had the right road opportunities. Because once you're going in third, you're, if you're in third, you either have an open road and you're going for fourth next because you're, you're pretty much accelerating. Otherwise, you're in slower opportunities and you really can just leave it in second. But the amazing thing is that even if you're going slow, you know, this car has that feature where uh, if you shift early, it'll block second and put you in fourth to save uh, fuel. And uh, because of the torque, even if you're not going too fast, uh, the low RPMs, you could be at 1,500, 1,000 RPM, and the car just, you know, trudges along, and it's not too unhappy. It's actually quite at ease then. I agree. I, I think even one in, one that was a little... The, the one we drove maybe didn't have the best maintenance, um, and it felt a little bit grumpy at idle and, and sort of driving around at those speeds, so I noticed if you gave it too much gas at the lower RPMs, it tended to misfire a little bit. Yeah. So I would imagine one with a little bit better maintenance would uh, would be very happy trudging along at, at tickover. Um, but so, okay... On a scale of one to ten, what's your what's your ranking of the of the Viper, Stephen? Uh, I'd give it a seven. Seven. Uh, just out of the pure excitement of that type of car, it's uh, so unlike anything else I've driven. Uh, the two major, the the two key pros and the two key cons for you. Uh, acceleration pro, uh, and then visual appearance pro. It's just such a different car. It stands out from everyone. Granted, this one was red, uh, so that'll by itself. Uh, but the car is just so flat from front to back; it's pretty parallel looking, 
and uh, it's just everywhere we drove, people were eyeing it, and, you know, turning heads to just look at it. It's not often you see, you know, a Series One first gen Viper driving around, and this is like the bedroom poster version, you know, RT10 red. Uh, it's just really exciting to see. Cons, you know, granted, like you said, it could be part of the the maintenance of this car, but. Uh, you know, didn't like to be driven in normal driving situations, kind of slow traffic. Um, it needs to be driven hard all the time. Uh, and then the, just the heat, you know, they really didn't engineer the car too well, so you have all the heat from that V10 pouring into your into the footwell. So it's like a sauna, and you know, the California sun definitely doesn't help to that at all. What do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm right there on the same page with you, but but I would say definitely the the number one thing I liked about the car were the looks. It really is just like a, a car that a kid would dream up. It's yeah. so so cool to look at, and everyone smiles when they see it. And you know, there's no other color for this car than the red, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then secondly, for me, maybe even more than the acceleration, just to have a big motor like that I, I i found it very thrilling just the thought of or the just the overall feeling you know you start the motor and, and you feel like the rumble of it you know you, you for example we parked it once and left it idling and i walked into the store and in the store on the ground i, I could feel, feel the, the vibration yeah. of the motor you know it, it was so you know it was impactful from that perspective so it made made it feel very special yeah i will add to that in saying you know the v10 isn't the best sounding V10, I would say. You know, there are other V10s that that might sound a little nicer. Because um, at idle, it sounds a little bit like a motorboat, maybe. Yeah, you know, in fact, I think the whole car kind of looks like a speedboat. The way the yeah. dash is designed and the gauges. And, right. And it does sound a lot like a like a boat engine. And, and I think the engine is sort of truckier industrial from that perspective. But at the end of the day, it, it also doesn't make it bad for me. You know, it's just different. So it's not right. like this singing high revving engine it's just sort of a brute force engine but like you know especially when you're on overrun it just sounds amazing you know it just uh, i don't know it, very you know serious motors it, a lot of theater to the, to the to the engine to the car the whole package is just very entertaining i agree and uh you know for me i would say probably the number one con was the uh was the um the issue with the cooling system. So I've read about this before, other early Viper owners having this problem, but the car really didn't want to be driven in traffic or in any situation where it wasn't getting like a lot of air uh, in the front. And, and maybe it was a maintenance issue with this particular car, I'm not sure, but you know, it, the, it, it wouldn't stay as cool as I would have liked it to. And, and as you know, the car would have liked it too, because it just wasn't so happy up at the higher temperatures. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, maybe you need to add some aftermarket cooling to it. Um, but the the second thing I, I liked the least about the car, I would say was maybe the tip in on the throttle. It was really hard to, to roll onto the throttle smoothly. I mean, you had to, you could barely breathe on it without it just, you know, slamming you back into your seat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, once you got on the throttle, I would say it was actually, you could modulate it really well, but this tip in it was just, it just seemed like poorly judged. 
and uh, and and the pedal itself it almost like reminded me of something out of like my aunt's Dodge minivan like this. Right. It's probably is from your aunt's Dodge yeah, minivan. Like a really yeah. shitty pedal. Um, so I don't know. You know, I, I again maybe it needed new motor mounts and it was a maintenance thing on this, but, but that was sort of a bummer. But overall, I would give the car. Or maybe a, uh, uh, a 7 out of 10 as well okay. and that it was I thought it was great from some aspects um, and it but was far from perfect far from perfect but it you know I, I could see the desirability to own one yeah um, and you know also when you start talking about the price point I think it's outrageous that you could buy a car like this in the 20s because I, I can't really think of anything else that has more theater from a visual and and from a driving perspective at that price point it's it's just outrageous so you know my my take is that they're going to be up in value as time goes on especially these early cars with just you know the the concept car design yeah i mean if they're well maintained low mileage uh you know they're going to be i think collectors items in the future uh there's going to be less and less cars that provide this type of sensation when you're driving and, uh, you know, it'd be good to have one of these in your arsenal. Uh, good weekend car to just go out for a quick drive out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And I don't know if I would own one, but it's, it's definitely nice to drive every now and then. And uh, I couldn't have thought of a better car to take out for our first uh, Pebble Beach experience. Agreed. Um, We're quite tired from, from driving it and handling it is, is a handful. But... Uh, for the first time I, I think this was a great choice it was did we we didn't mention how the car broke down did we well, well I think that that was uh, you know expected but uh, yeah you know the car did eventually uh, crap out on us uh, to none of our faults uh, we were driving along highway one uh, and heard a bit of a pop and heard something a bit in the exhaust note that didn't sound quite right and uh pulled over immediately put in neutral turned off the engine turned off and and opened up the big front hood to take a look to see what we could find uh we also noticed the oil pressure dropped uh which was a alarming sight uh but we checked the oil and plenty of oil uh in there very clean no metal pieces it wasn't shiny um and then we looked around and we noticed there was something that looked shredded first we thought it was a wire um, maybe it was a you know, electrical issue for the oil pressure, and maybe oh, the engine the was way, fine. Oh, by the way, I think it wasn't the oil pressure gauge. I think it was the, I think it was the battery gauge, the voltage gauge. Oh, really? I saw a now gauge, you tell me this. Yeah, well, you, I'm thinking about it as you're saying it, and it and it would make more sense, right? So what what broke the? It was the, uh, the what do you call it? Serpentine belt. The serpentine belt, which drives the. Um, alternator. Yeah, alternators. So I'm thinking to myself, you you lose the alternator, you lose electrical. Uh, you lose electrical power. So or charging at least. Yeah, charging. So it would make more sense to me to see the voltage drop than the oil pressure because I I don't think anything happened from an oiling perspective. No, but you know it shredded um, oddly the long way, not across the whole belt. And I think it was, you know, a good thing that we stopped. Could we have driven a car at the car a little bit more? I would more? say no, because it was like sh- one one side of it split off and it was split down the middle. So, yeah. you know, I, my perspective is it would have snapped. Uh, you know, we must have turned the car off about maybe 
10 seconds after it snapped. Oh, probably less than that. Less than 10 seconds. So, you know, uh, I think that, that we saved we saved it from potential overheating and uh, who knows what else. And further damage, yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, we knew something would possibly happen on, you know, such a high-performance car that's... Uh, Old know, and being rented on Turo for a relative bargain. Right, and that has 65,000 miles on it. Um, so, but, you know, it was, a, it was a simple thing that broke, um, and there was no further damage to the car, which is great. Uh, and we had the car towed to, uh, to a garage, and, you know, now we're having to Uber back up to uh, San Francisco. Right, and uh, now we've rented a... ND MX-5 Miata, so we're, we're going on the other side of the spectrum, and we're going to drive up to Marin County today, so we'll see how that is. Well, listen, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the.autoholic.